Hello, I'm Net88. Welcome to my podcast where I catch the geocachers to learn more about this amazing game. Today's episode was recorded in April over Zoom as Queensland was in a state of general lockdown due to COVID-19. Lachetti was kind enough to be my guinea pig to see if we could record our episode over Zoom. I think it turned out brilliantly. Lachetti is a geocacher from Brisbane who suffers from arachnophobia. Today, we discuss what it's like to geocache with a phobia and how others can help to make it more pleasant. Thank you for joining me as my first virtual guest for the podcast, Lachetti. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I always like to start off an episode by finding out when you started geocaching and roughly how many have you found? It would have been Christmas of 2006. Um, although I didn't sign up to the website for a couple of months after that, I think February 2007 maybe, and I've found just over 6,600, maybe 6,700 to date, although they're not all logged. Oh, not all of mine are logged either, so that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't sign up to the website straight away. How did you find out about geocaching? My sister had been living in London and she'd come across it over there. And so when she came back to Australia, she told us about this activity and we thought, oh yeah, let's give it a go. So we borrowed an aircraft GPS and we had an actual physical compass and we just went out looking for something. I think it might've been down in Burley Heads actually. And we went hunting, geocaching. The rest of the family got into it a lot more quickly and a lot more enthusiastically than I did. They joined up a a few months earlier, which is quite ironic because I'm the only one who continues to geocache to date. Yeah, I don't know a lot of families that still all geocache together, but it seems that at the start, a lot of families do start and then slowly, one by one, they start dropping off. To be fair, I think we all still do geocache from time to time, but I'm probably the most regular geocacher in the group. Oh, cool. So I recently learnt that around 5% of the world's population is affected by arachnophobia, including yourself. How has that affected you as a geocacher? Look, it has a lot of ways in which it affects me and everyone's got their limits. We all have to work within those limits. My limits happens to be spiders. So one obvious thing, it stops me from going into places like tunnels where there's a high likelihood of there being a spider. I I psychologically cannot make myself advance into a tunnel when I can't be sure that I can get away from the spiders. If there's a, a spider on the cache itself and being Australian, you get those huntsmen who are very possessive of the caches that they're on. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if I've been on a five-hour multi, if there's a guardian on the cache at the end of the day, I can't pick up that cache. And so that's a DNF for me. It stops me from going on first-to-find hunts at night. It's, It's just too scary. On a good day, all it does is slow me down, like to proceed through the bush. It basically means a step at a time, wave a stick around madly, take another step, wave a stick, I will get there. But it takes a really long time to get there. There's a lot of poking of rock piles and trepidation in that sort of advancing through the bush. And that also affects how many I can find in a day, both because I'm slower and the more encounters I have with a spider or even with a web, to be honest, the higher my levels of stress become throughout the day. And so I might be able to handle one or two small encounters early on, 
But as the number of encounters increases throughout the day, I'll reach a threshold where I just can't handle anymore. So I might have to sort of pull out of a, a walk or whatever where I, I just can't stand to be around potential spiders anymore. And I guess the other thing's actually, in a way, it's a good thing. It means I have a preference for going out with other people. So in some ways, it, it makes me more social. So, you know, there's a silver lining, I guess. Speaking of being a social person, are there any things that others can do whilst geocaching with someone who has arachnophobia to make it kind of a more pleasant experience for that person? Oh, there absolutely is. Yeah, definitely. Look, there's, there's things that people can do regardless of when you're with a, a person with a phobia. And there's sort of these, particularly these three things, three don'ts. So the first thing is don't tease that person. Um, and Australians are really bad at this. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> terrible. So the person is already stressed. Um, one thing to understand, I think, about a phobia is that it, it's not a fear. It's, it's a, an excessive and persistent fear and it makes you change your behaviour. So if your friend is already out caching, they're already confronting that fear and dealing with higher stress than you might imagine. And another thing about a phobia is that the idea of the thing, in my case a spider, is just as powerful as the actual spider. So the fact that any tree could contain a spider is almost as stressful as seeing a spider itself. So if you start teasing somebody, it just ratchets that stress level up to a point where they just can't handle it and you might actually trigger a panic attack in that person, which is not a very nice thing to do. Probably associated with don't teasing is also don't share your stories about spiders. People often like to kind of empathize with you going, oh, I'm scared of spiders too. This one time, this terrible thing happened. That's not helpful. Don't do that. Some people with a phobia can't even say the word of the thing that they're afraid of. So in my case, spider. I have been through a lot of therapy to the point where I can use the word, but even now in this podcast, I can feel my stress levels slightly higher than what a normal person's would be, which is okay. I'm in a safe space. But still, um, just to demonstrate how powerful a phobia can be. So don't share your stories. Don't tease the person. I think the second thing is don't lie to that person. So if there's a spider and they've asked you to kill it or remove it, depending on what their preference is, don't say you've killed it if you haven't. Or if it's gone somewhere and you don't know where it is, don't tell them, oh, yeah, everything's fine. They need to know that the location is uncertain so that they can move to a place where they feel safe. So don't, don't lie, don't cover up, you know, just, just be completely honest with that person. Um, don't say it's safe if it's not safe. The third thing I would say is don't minimise that person's fear. Don't say, oh, it's just a little spider or it won't hurt you or it's more scared of you than you are of it. We know that. Phobias are irrational reactions. We know it's irrational, but we can't control our response to it. And that's what makes it a phobia. So don't try to reason us out of the fear. We, we try to talk to ourselves all the time about how irrational it is. It doesn't work. 
So don't try to downplay it. Just accept that's what that person's going through and try to help them get through it. So with regard to geocaching specific assistance, um, if you've found the cache, volunteer to pick it up for them because actually touching the cache can be absolutely terrifying, yeah. um, especially if there's a large arachnid on it. And before you pick it up, give them time to move away into a safe space. That will be determined by their own personal comfort zone. If you drop the cache or throw it away when there's a spider on it, make sure you don't throw it in their direction. (laughs) Surprising how often that happens. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Another thing that you can do that's really super incredibly helpful is clear the way, particularly through bush areas, but be as unobtrusive as possible, which which sounds a little bit stupid because I'm going to be standing behind you waving a ginormous stick. But yeah, having a couple of people in front of you is is really, really, really helpful. Attached to that, walk slow enough that I can see precisely which two trees or branches you've walked between. Because to you, you're just going through the bush. But to me, the space between tree A and tree B is a safe space and everything else is not. And so if I don't know where to go, then suddenly I get kind of psychologically stuck and I'll just sit there like a video game character who can't move (laughs) forward. I talked about tunnels earlier and this is something that's particularly bad because we have no escape route in a tunnel. So a person with a phobia needs to be able to move to a safe space as quickly as possible when the thing they're afraid of appears. So if there is no escape route like in a tunnel and you're trying to support your friend with, with a phobia, be really hyper vigilant if you're on lookout. I once went into a tunnel in pursuit of a cache after I think two other groups had already been in and out. So it was as safe as it could be. Mm -hmm. I was with people who knew of my phobia and were looking out for me. And I still managed to find a spider that nobody else had seen. And it was fairly large. Probably the final thing is about if we have a panic attack, which will happen if I come into close contact with a spider, guaranteed, can't help it. It's not going to be that person's first time. They're going to know how to handle their own emotional state the best, but it's going to be different for everybody. So to anyone listening who has a phobia, it's a really great idea to talk to the people that you're going geocaching with to let them know how you react and how they should help you because this is going to be very personal. Ultimately, if you haven't had that conversation though, give them time to recover and just be really patient with them. For myself, my method, I need to move to a safe distance and that can sometimes resemble flying. Um, I move out of the area awfully fast and perhaps I'm not always very polite about it. You know, it's, it's a case of I need to get out of here right now. I need to be somewhere relatively clear. So no vegetation overhanging or surrounding if possible. I will be crying and hyperventilating a little bit and rocking myself. I'll probably be crouched down. My body language will be very tense. I might be patting myself. It's not a state in which I can process what you're saying. I personally don't like to be touched. At that point, inside my head, I'm talking to myself. I'm trying to calm myself down. I'm focusing on my breathing patterns and I need, I need to focus on those things. I, can't, I don't have time or energy to spend on letting my friends know that I'm okay at that point. If you 
want to help, I think stand nearby so that you're just there and present. So I know that I've got some sort of protection if a spider does come. And we do imagine them coming and sometimes they do come, which is not fun. Maybe a, a bottle of water wouldn't go astray, but don't try to make us drink it. Just, you know, leave it nearby. I have no idea how long this process takes. I don't know how long my panic attacks last for. So just wait for the person to to recover themselves. And I will be super edgy for certainly for the rest of the day, sometimes for a couple of weeks later, depending on how bad the experience was. If worst case scenario, you're out with someone and they spot an eight legged creature on you, get it off, then tell you, tell you, then get it off. Definitely get it off and then tell me. Absolutely. Um, If you did it the other way, oh no, I'm I'm feeling stressed just thinking about it. Ugh. Definitely, definitely get rid of it first. Preferably by killing it. Yep. But I understand that's not everybody's choice, preference. I don't know the word to use. It's not something that everybody can bring themselves to do. And fair enough. But from the phobic's point of view, killing it is the best thing for their mental health. But certainly remove it. If it's still alive, make sure it's a very, very, very long way away, like 20 to 30 meters. They will probably know as soon as you react to something on them, they'll figure out what it was. Again, don't lie. Don't say, oh, it was just a mosquito if it was a spider. And they might ask you to inspect the rest of them to make sure there are no more on them. Do a thorough job because there's nothing more stressful than thinking there might be one on your head or in your hair and that the person just hasn't looked carefully enough. So yeah, remove, then tell. Good question. Kind of making sure on my own behalf because we went kayaking once and that happened and I Mm. did kill it first and then tell you and then you did ask Mm. me to check you over and I checked you over (laughs) with a fine tooth comb. I was not going to be responsible for a single second spider. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to make yeah. sure I uh, I did I did yeah. good. Yeah. Absolutely did good. Definitely <laughs> did good. And kayaks the worst because there's no escape. There's yeah. no escape from a kayak. Probably my single most traumatic experience was actually with Captain Terror in a kayak down getting a herbs cache on a dam. And we were in amongst a really dense copse of, of dead trees. And insects and spiders were literally raining down in the kayak. And I just, I basically went catatonic. I just mentally withdrew into this tiny little space in my brain. And as soon as that kayak hit the ground, I was out. And I think it took a year before I could even log that cache. And I still cannot talk about it without getting teary. Oh, well, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So since you've been geocaching for 16 years, is it safe to say that the love of geocaching outweighs the risk for you? Yes, it does. And I think there's also a strong element of refusing to let the fear control my actions. I won't let it beat me, basically. I really do love geocaching. I I love, like everybody, I think, I love the exploration element. I love the fact that you walk past things that you know are there and other people don't. I love the new skills that I've picked up from being a geocacher. So yeah, on, on the whole, it's definitely worth going through the stress to go and find the geocaches within reason. Definitely within reason. We've touched on a lot of serious and scary uh, topics so far this podcast for you, but I was wondering if you could tell me about a geocache or an experienced geocaching that is really memorable to you. Mm. Look, there's one that interestingly should have triggered a lot of my fears. Um, It was in South Africa. 
It was a case called Orpheus in the Underworld. And it's a puzzle case. It's a terrain five. We had to crawl into this old abandoned tin mine through this tiny little muddy hole, wade through sort of calf deep water. We had to avoid porcupines, which are enormous and bristly. And remarkably aggressive. You didn't think porcupines would be so no, aggressive. But no, then I you imagine know. they're like, just like a little hedgehog, like a little cute thing. They're somewhat larger yeah, than a hedgehog. Yeah. And you had to collect clues through the mine and then go and find the cache at the end. It was memorable for a lot of reasons. It was one of my first Terrain 5 caches. It was really adventurous and unusual. I'd only just arrived in South Africa, I think the day before that, and I'd been made really welcome by the local community, um, especially Great Scott, who picked me up and showed me around a lot, and Cape Doc, who organised this particular cache event. And I think it was the combination of the, the adventure, the cache process itself was really well designed. The location was really unusual and, and interesting. And the really wonderful companions made, made the whole thing stand out to my mind. So I've had loads of fantastic experiences, but that's one that does really, really um, shine brightly in my memory. Oh, lovely. So, Lakeni, I always end our conversations by asking if you have any tips for new geocachers who are just starting out. Just to be different from the ones that prior interviewees have had, I think something I learned from a, a Canadian friend was that people really are not that interested in what you're doing and they're usually not watching you. I know when I started caching, I always used to feel like every eye was on me when I was searching for the caches. Generally, people don't care. If you look sneaky and furtive, then you're going to draw unwanted attention. But if you act like you're supposed to be there, then you'll almost always get away with it. Having said that, I mean, try not to compromise the integrity of the hide, mm -hmm. but quite often acting like you're supposed to be there will be safer for the hide than acting sneakily. Also, if someone comes and asks you what you're doing, just explain what geocaching is. There's no need to invent stories. You're not doing anything illegal. So just tell them, introduce them to what geocaching is and maybe invite them to help you look for it. Good advice. Thanks. Thank you for being so extremely vulnerable and open with myself and our listeners today. Your conversation with me today, I hope, can help so many other people with phobias, including arachnophobia, feel that geocaching is something that they are eventually, uh, if not right now, going to be able to do and to be able to do it with support of the other geocachers. Thank you. I have the exact same hope. Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down with me. I'll let you get back to your self-isolation. <laughs> Lovely to talk to you. If you would like to be a guest on an episode or have a topic you would like me to cover, you can message me through my geocaching profile. The link is in the episode notes. Happy geocaching!